It's Wednesday, February 3rd, 2016, and you're listening to episode 391 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 45 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. My name's Chad. I'm sitting in the wrong seat. This God, is very painful for me. You're just you have sat in that chair for a long time. I know. You sat and we there for changed. many, many episodes. When I first change. came on the podcast, you sat there because it's by the window. Yeah. And no one else would sit there except I wanted to, and you wouldn't move. I remember that. Yeah. And you'd always bitch about, oh, it's so cold over here because I'm sitting on the air vent. I'm like over here burning up. I'm like, and this is Wayne, because it screws with Chad that I'm even announcing out of order. You guys don't know how to podcast. That's your problem. Pat, would you like to... Oh, that's right. My name is Pat. And Pat likes pornography. Yes, he does. <laughs> All right. You know that, what the, that the nuclear football is one, of, is one of the more popular episodes with many people. Oh, yeah. I, I actually, I, I, I have people talk to me about that. I was like, this, I just listened to that episode again the other day. It's so f***ing awesome. It yeah. was a great episode. Mm-hmm. That was, I truly believe, one of our better bonus episodes. Yeah. I'm waiting for Ezra Vep to reach that. It is going through every episode <laughs> commenting. No announcements or anything like that, so we're going to roll right into it. Chad's got a topic on tap. Chad, set it up, and then I've got some commentary on why I think this is a great topic to cover. Well, it's a great topic because I came up with it. That's exactly what I was going to (laughs) say. Well, thanks, folks. Thanks for tuning in. So uh, what I was thinking about was giving a location a sense of place in your games. And what I mean by that is you're a game master and uh, you have set up where the party is going to meet the, quote, quest giver at the bar. The quest giver is going to drop a whole bunch of clues and they're going to need to, re- you know, they're going to need to research it or whatever. So there's like a library or a bookstore. Like right across the street. So these are just locations. Who cares? I mean, it's just setting, right? So as long as they get to this bar, wherever it is, and meet this guy, whoever he is, and then go to the bookstore across the street, whatever that's about, that's fine. That That's what you need. And I've played in a lot of games where it has gone down like that. Now, the plot is interesting. You know, that it's not a quest, but it's like, you know, someone asking for help and the characters are really interesting and they're really into it and the, the world is very lively. But when you kind of stop and think about it, it's just like, okay, well we went to this location to do this thing. And then we went to this other location. It didn't have a sense of place to it. In the example, the bar, the bookstore do not feel like they belong in the world. And what I think that game master should be striving for is that, Your locations should exist for a reason that have nothing whatsoever to do with the characters or with your plot or with anything like that. You know, a guy does not open up a bar because 25 years from now, a bunch of unemployed murder hobos are going to come in (laughs) looking for something to do. You know, you open up a bar because you have hopes and dreams and stuff. Now, that's not to say that every single place you make or every single location that you have has to have this deep history that stretches back 25 years. And that's a lot of work. That is a lot that's of work. That's a lot of work. And and all that is going to go in your wiki or your notes or your whatever that nobody's ever going to read ever. I've noticed in most games, there'll be that one location that seems to come up that everyone hangs out at. Mm-hmm. 
but I don't think I've ever seen it actually be the intended location. Mm. So, for example, in one of our games, we were doing a noir superhero game. Right. We create this library. And I have this whole thought behind, okay, there are all these books in the library. Is it my library? Yes. Yes. We're dealing with 50 copies of The Great Gatsby because nobody wants to buy that book because it's really bad. Do you know that Dawn loves The Great Gatsby? I know she does. And you guys are just we hate it. Bag it. They, we hate we it. We played this game it. for like months and months and months. And the running joke in, because I was the librarian of this inner city library that like yeah. had no customers in it. The joke was that we had a case of the Great Gatsby, and nobody would read it because it's like, man, it's really cold. You better throw another Great Gatsby on the fire. Tell you, know, yeah. it's, it's stuff like that. And then Dawn's sitting there going, I love that book. I hate you all. So Is she like Hemingway, with... too? Is she like a big Hemingway fan? No. Thank God. Okay. okay. So I come up with all these ideas around the library and all these resources that are in the library and all this thought that everyone's going to hang out in the library. Mm-hmm. And then somebody asks the question, is there a diner nearby? Yeah, because that's and, another theme in all of our games. We always eat food. Yeah. And so I'm yeah. sitting there and I'm <laughs> thinking... sense. Because guess what good characters do that are like people? They eat food. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I had just watched something. It was a documentary about uh, automats. And right. I've always found this idea of automats mm. fascinating. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know what? There is a diner. There's an automat across the street. And before I know it, the automat becomes that location that everyone's going to. And it has a staff in the back that's baking. Mm-hmm. And It's a life goal of mine. Before I die, it's like a bucket list item. I want to get a grilled cheese sandwich from an automat. If anyone doesn't know what an automat is, it's <laughs> I don't one of, think there's one in St. Louis. No, no, I don't know if there's any left in the world. I think oh, there I'm are sure still there some are. in the U.S. or but, some in uh, New York. But an automat, for anyone that doesn't know, you basically walk up and here's a whole row of things that look kind of like microwave doors. You put your money in, you open it, and there's they're not food actually there. microwave. They, they're right. not cooked yeah, in yeah. there. Those are just doors. It, yep, it, yep. it actually it's reminds me more of post like office post office yeah. boxes, except only bigger. The front's so transparent, yeah. and there's people in the back that cook food. They put it in there. If you see something you want, you put in your dollar or whatever it is. The door opens and you can take that item out and eat it. But I think there's a couple of reasons this is a great topic to cover. And one of them is this actually ties in pretty well to an episode series we did sometime back on dungeon design. Mm -hmm. And one of the main themes we hit on in that two shows on dungeon design, which I'll link from the show notes for anyone that's too lazy to look through our archive is the idea that the on, dungeon Dan. it's only like 400 episodes <laughs> yeah but it's the idea that the dungeon should exist for a reason and that it has mm. a history and has a story apart from the fact that the characters are simply happening to encounter that yeah now chad i absolutely agree with what you're saying that you want to be careful about how far you take this level of micro right. setting design because Okay, there are some great tools out there, uh, including the ones by like Inkwell Ideas for randomly generating towns and placing buildings. There's websites online where you could, it's like you do a drop down box of fantasy and dark and village and it has this many people and then it generates like, okay, well, here's three blacksmiths and a wizard and it's this and and then it's like just a random right little write up but of each one. it's n- i'm not sure you really want to have a map for every single place right. people can go because it's a lot of work you always run the risk that a lot of it will never be used oh i've done that and on top of that i don't know if you guys have ever played a game that has like a detailed city map 
I oftentimes have a hard time keeping track of exactly where people oh, are on the map. Man. Let's see, where's the blacksmith? Dan, oh, it's down in this quadrant. I, I can do an entire episode on how to trick your players into thinking that there's a map and there really isn't. I am running these guys through a city right now. There's streets, locations, areas of the city. The city areas are all different. They all have a different feel and theme to them. The locations are very, very specific of what they are and where they are. And I don't have a map. They know they're in the area. You've pointed us to a map. Oh, I don't use that map. That's just a trick. (laughs) <laughs> apparently an well, effective one you may, you, well you may be calling it a trick but I, I do remember at one point yeah. you, you pointed to it and said that we're down here I lied oh okay <laughs> well, and see, now okay now you're laughing about that yeah. and that's fine you know the joke is in your own head not to yeah. us because again yeah. you pointed to a map mm-hmm. and said you're here so for the players the thing you is, were lying but we don't know that so oh, I assume that map, because we could get yeah I mean, that's the fine. thing is, is that you have to keep it consistent, right? So if you say, well, our hideout is here, and it's a short walk to the bar, then every single time, it has to be a short walk to the bar. You cannot one day say, oh, guess what? The bar's on fire, and one of the PCs is being held at gunpoint there. you got to go rescue her. Okay, we go. How long does it take to get there? Oh, man, you're going to need a horse. You're going to need an overnight kit. I mean, it is just going to be a slog to get over there because that is unfair. You cannot be unfair with it. It has to be consistent. In our noir game, I ran into that a few times. I drew a map. I drew the different districts. I started adding things to the map. And sometimes I would have to stop and think, where did we say that was? Because I forgot to write it on the map. See, I never have to say where things are. Because they are where they need to be, if that makes sense. I love cheating and putting it in a real city. Well, and this is, then you like I Google said, maps. I believe we could do an entire topic on this. Yes. On faking maps. Well, yes, that's not this topic, but we probably could. But I find sitting in a real location also helps with the idea of mm-hmm. you know giving place history and setting. Yeah. Skies of Glass game was in Cape Dorado. Yes. There are really things in there. There was a real history. Mm-hmm. Dresden game is in St. Louis. These are real buildings and locations with real history. I've run a, it, they yeah. have a sense of place because they have always had a sense of place before we even thought yeah, about exactly. the game. I ran Ghostbusters at Six Flags twice because right. it has a sense of history for me and it's mm-hmm. already set. I don't have they to did come not, up with those. They did not make Six Flags theme park as a setting for this adventure. They made it because it's a business, and exactly. it was there for years and years. But let me point out something about human psychology that I think helps within a role-playing game if you're prepared to leverage it. Chad, you're absolutely correct that once you say something, it has to be consistent, because many times the players are going to want fair resolution mm-hmm. based on that. If the diner is next to the library, then if somebody's attacking the library and they say, well, I'm going to run over to defend it, and you say, well, it'll take you an hour and a half to get there. Better call a cab. They're going to call BS because you're taking something from them. Let's put even mechanics aside. There might just be something they enjoy about it. There's a really colorful waitress or something Mm -hmm. like that that works at the diner. And if she's there once... If suddenly she disappears inexplicably and never returns, right. then you've taken away something that made that location interesting. But there's an adventure there. 
<laughs> yeah, she's a, she's where'd, where'd she, she go? go? Well, if you go find her, if it was intentional, <laughs> if it was yeah. intentional, or at least you're paying attention and rolling with it. But that's that's the beauty with Chad. It wasn't intentional, but, but right there, now. guess what? My mistake is an entire adventure. But here's, it won't just take one week; it'll take three. <laughs> that's right. But here's the point I want to make about human psychology: you don't exist in a contiguous. Constant place. Timey wimey. <laughs> timey wimey. Really lobby, timey wimey, or whatever the whole thing yeah. is. You exist in a series of landmarks. Mm-hmm. Obviously, all of you guys know you're at my house right now. Right. You guys being on the mics. If listeners yeah. are at my house right now, <laughs> at least let me know. So yeah, I at least come up and get on the mics with so, us. But going through Dan's underwear drawer. And obviously, you guys know where your homes are, which I presume you'll be returning to after we're done with this recording. And I'm sure there are certain things you could identify along the way, but there are also a lot of places, a lot of stretches of road, a lot of trivia. I could ask you simple trivia, like what's the closest fast food restaurant to us right now? A custard store. Close. Fast food restaurant. Depends what you classify as fast food. The closest is Mr. Sushi. Do you consider that fast food? Nope. No. The closest is Dairy Queen. That's actually closer than uh, Mr. Sushi. No, it's on the other side of the road because there's a stoplight but right there. Sushi oh. place isn't fast food, but I get right, right. Yeah. So, but the point being that it doesn't exist that way. I could have a fully detailed city map, and if you're playing a campaign that's all about life in this city, that's all about the politics of the city and the economy of the city, maybe that's important. Maybe that makes sense. But I think for most people, what they know a place as or a city as is the places they tend to go. They know where their favorite restaurant is. They know generally what a district or a neighborhood is like. They know where, where they the magic live. shop is. <laughs> exactly. But they pick out things that to them are significant and that's how they know the town. And I would posit that you don't have to, and you can, but you don't have to force yourself to design every space between. As long as you do a good job of defining the places that the players seem to care about and yeah. seem to gravitate toward. Well, and what I find happens is that the players gravitate towards locations because of usually an NPC. It's not always the case, but a lot of times it's because something interesting happened mm-hmm. there with somebody they're interacting with. Yeah. It's generally not the location itself. The location could be any bar, but the barmaid, I really enjoyed flirting with her. Okay, I want to go back to that one. The uh, the person running the restaurant, she was the kindly old lady mm-hmm. that has the pie recipe that we really liked. Right. Mm-hmm. That doesn't let anyone in her kitchen. You know, things like that. I think are what people really gravitate towards. And I said every time I have tried to come up with a location that I thought would be a central one that people would come back to, I always give up on that because something better happens well and that's because it's better to happen naturally that's what i was mm-hmm. going to say that was my that was going to be my advice to you gm types because that's where you were talking about it at first is you cannot force where the party is going to gravitate to you can do your best and, and design that library or whatever it is you know you you mm-hmm. thought would would we gravitate to in in, uh, in our game but nine times out of ten you won't Right. You know, you're, you you can put all this time and effort into this backstory of this place, and you're just so excited about it. And we walk in, and we're like, yeah, we're never going there again. Right. Because that place f***ing blue balls. Yeah. I think one of the and, most you know, fun... So you just, yeah, it's just, you just have to go with the flow, have maybe a few little things about several places 
see where the characters are going to go. And then when they establish a place, then put all that work into it, because then it won't be for nothing. Mm -hmm. Then you can put all that hours and and backstory and Wikipedia shit in there. And it'll be great because that's where we're going to be. I mean, what I found, and then I won't ever go there again. That's right. (laughs) Well, and what I've found is exactly that in our current game. The example is there was a bar and it was called the golden cock. The in joke in the game is that no NPC sees the double entendre in the name, but all the PCs do, and everyone looks at them kind of weird about it. But there was nothing special about it. It was the location the big bad of that adventure was at. It mm-hmm. was where you had to fight him. So what came out of that was the guy, the team had to plan. Well, they had to plan. They were planning like they're looking at the establishments. Like, okay, well, tell us about the establishment. Like, okay, well, I better think of some things besides room with bad guy in it. So, you know, I start telling them a couple of things about generic bars. Looks like this. Looks like this. Kind of like this. Well, what kind of bar is it? Well, it's a Scovelandish bar. And, you know, it's like it's got a bunch of sailors in it, and it's it, it's really dirty and stuff. And while they're standing in the street planning, I'm like, you know. People just don't stand in the street and point and gawk at a place that they're going to hit, right? So what's across the street? And I'm thinking this while they're talking. I'm like, you know what? They're in a coffee shop. They're not standing there. They're in a coffee shop. And then I don't know who said it or how, how I said it. It's like, okay, well, so anyway, Pat, you're, your character's there and you're thinking about this. And uh, Mario comes along and he puts some espresso in front of you. And because you guys are great role players, this is a kind of a tip to the players out there. They rolled with it because one moment they were standing, pointing, gawking, and it wasn't really defined. The next moment they are in a cafe and it's like the narrative just kind of flowed past like, oh, well, thank you. And someone I did, they did, I don't know, started talking about, well, this is the best coffee in the entire city. The period best coffee in the whole city. I think we actually rolled for it. We do a lot of just random grab a dice mm, and roll. Yeah. And if it's a high like number, it's this, incredible. I'm in a coffee shop. How good is this coffee? Boom, boom, boom. Crit, max number, roll again, crit again. It's like, this is the best coffee in the city. Mm-hmm. I've also defined it in my notes that it is the second best biscotti in the city as well. <laughs> but you guys haven't really encountered that part yet. Let me give you guys a technique here that I think is a great way to add some definition to your places. And I will give you an example that was used in an actual game that everyone sitting here participated in. I'm going to start describing this, and I'm going to see if you guys can remember what this was from. I'm sure everyone's familiar with the six big questions. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. And I'm going to put these out of order from who, what, when, where, why, and how. But I think if you can define these six things, even just a few words about a location, I think you're good to go. Now, I want to say two things, though, as I describe this. One, you may not be able to answer all of them on the spot, but if you answer at least some of them, that gives you the ability to create hooks for the place, to make it interesting, to make it descriptive. And then if you have to define some of them or redefine some of them once play actually occurs, no problem. Fill them in. The second thing is while you could put these in a specific location, you could say, for example, this particular tavern needs to be at this street corner in this city. I think you also have the option of putting these in a nice little stack of flashcards, just like you can NPCs or any number of other things to draw at some point in the future. In fact, if Keith Curtis or Joe Wetzel's listening, I think these would be great sorts of cards for them to add to 
their plot idea cards and encounter cards, mm-hmm. which we've talked about on the show before. And I'll link to the Inkwell Ideas stuff in the show notes because I realize this is now the second time I've referenced them. All right, but I'm going to start telling you guys the place. I want to see if you can remember what this place was because I'm going to guess you can. All right, so the what? I'm going to start with that. What is this place? Just a few words, by the way, because if a few words or a sentence is not enough to trigger you in terms of remembering <laughs> other kind of trigger, <laughs> trigger your memory, mm-hmm. then I think you probably have more than you want to handle at the table. The what? It's a family-run bakery. Who's there in this case? I think I already know what it is. But as a kindly widow. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Where? Are they cherry popovers or... No, what was that? Apple muffins. Apple muffins. Yeah. That's right. Oh, Where? my God. I can... Next I can taste Next them. The shop. Yep. Next question. Next yep. Where? Smell it. Where is it located? Now, this is a fictional place in a game that was years ago, and I can smell yep. the muffins. <laughs> My very first game. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Where was it located? Now, this one you could fill out on the spot or ahead of time, uh-huh. but in this particular game, this was next door to an abandoned Jiffy Lube yeah. that the party was crashing at. So it was we located- didn't crash it. That was our base of operations. That's right. It was our headquarters. Yep. That's right. The next question, <laughs> when? Now, for when, I'm using this to describe the history of the place. Was so, this almost 10 years ago? Probably. Yeah. No, it was less than that. But Seven or eight. But the maybe. when was, Nine. and I use yeah. this just to describe a little bit of history. This was an abandoned house that her and her husband, back when he was still alive, refurbished and turned into a combination house, apple orchard, and bakery 28 years ago. Now, the next two questions now get metagame. Why does it exist, and how are you going to convey that purpose? Now, why this place existed is because I wanted to create a sense of daily life, humanness, Mm -hmm. and the social community that existed within this town. How am I going to accomplish that? The sixth and final question. How I accomplished that was by having this woman meet you guys every morning to say hello, see how you're doing, and she gave you guys a batch of the apple muffins right as she was finished cooking them. Mm. We would have done anything for that NPC. That's oh, right. God, yes. And you know, okay, those six questions, you give me any game. Okay, so let's let's try this again. Chad, let's mm-hmm. talk about a golden cock. <laughs> no, it's not just a golden cock. The, the golden, golden cock. And actually, let me tell you, let me tell you, after that adventure, the one the player that was all over mm-hmm. the golden cock was done. Done. Yeah. yeah. She bought she the bought it. it. She rebuilt she, it and she made it better. Yeah. Yeah, she will not leave. It's not even an interesting location for me. The coffee shop across the street. Yes. That is the location. Right. So let's go down this. What is it? Okay, it's a bar, all right? right? It's it's a bar where a gang is centered, I Mm -hmm. believe. Yes. Who's there? Dawn. Dawn. No, well, before that, you had (laughs) Nihilistic Jeff Bridges. Nihilistic Nihilistic Jeff Jeff Bridges. Bridges. Who's there? An interesting NPC. Who's there is Nihilistic Jeff Bridges? Mm -hmm. He has a memorial plant there now. (laughs) Dawn put it up. Where is it located? Once again, you don't have to find this on the spot, but you could even say something like a seedy part of town, or Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, It's located in a lie. (laughs) <laughs> it's located in, it's a in the middle of a neighborhood named Hard Knot that lives only in Chad's yeah, head and not lie. anywhere out of it's, it's adjacent to your guys' territory. It is a short walk away. Right. It will always be a so, short walk away. <laughs> so, all right, so skipping over what Dawn has done with the place, mm-hmm. did you have any history in mind at all? How long the place had been there? 
I mean, even just like the whole city. Other than the whole city is old. No. Okay. You, uh, I mean, you could have put something in there like yeah. just something memorable. Yeah. This place was opened. It was ran by an old sailor who is still the barkeep because Don paid him to walk away when they there you go. The bar so down. there's some amount of history to the place. Mm-hmm. Why does it exist? Why was it in the game at all? It was a center for this guy. It was right. a place for them to meet nihilistic Jeff Bridges and to get that sort of context mm-hmm. or that sort of a yeah. counter philosophy on yeah. life. And how is it going to fulfill that purpose? Well, it's going to fulfill that purpose by being a place where nihilistic Jeff Bridges hangs out. Mm-hmm. And ultimately they are going to have to remove him or mm-hmm. take control of this bar to forward the, right. the goals. of the, And you could do this with any location, any game. And I'll either create a resource stock for this God mm-hmm. forbid or I'll just write this up <laughs> in the show notes of these six questions and some examples of how you would answer them. And maybe I'll use the ones we just used mm-hmm. that. You, and once again, you could do this knowing in advance. Well, I need a blacksmith, but I want them to be more interesting than just the yeah. place you go in to buy your sword. Or it could be something where you don't know what you need, but you just say, hey, you know what? It'd be really cool to have this kind of NPC somewhere. And maybe you only fill out one, two, three of the lines. And when the time comes, you draw it out Mm -hmm. and you say, okay, looks like it needs to be a blacksmith and needs to be next door to the church. Mm -hmm. And you fill out the other lines. And now all of a sudden you've got a consistent item that you can refer back to. So I think one piece of advice I would have about this, too, is as a GM, you can let the players define some of that oh, yeah. either by the questions they're asking or their actions. Mm-hmm. So my example of that is in the online Knights of Rainsboro superhero game I play. One of our favorite locations is it's a deli called the New Delhi Deli. <laughs> and the whole idea behind it, the first time we went to it, we go there and this guy walks up and he's like, welcome to the New Delhi Deli. And one of the players goes, Frank, you've lived in Rainsboro your whole life. Drop the ad. <laughs> I was like, come on, man. I'm across the street from the college. This is how I make my money. The college kids will pay me for the accent. That's Quit funny. riding my chops. And I give credit to the GM for doing that. Mm-hmm. Because the moment the line went out, he played with it. And that became <laughs> yeah. one of our favorite locations. Yeah. And it was the secret that all the characters know is that the whole thing is an act to play up on the rich college kids, <laughs> mm-hmm. when in reality, the guy grew up two blocks right. away. Or he's and... American as apple pie. Exactly. Yeah. Have you played the game Wasteland 2? No, not yet. Okay. I, this is not a spoiler. This is just a minor little character thing. But at the start of the game, you're given a choice to save place A or save place B, and you can't save them both. If you choose to save one of the places and you do the right things while saving it, you can pick up an NPC who's a Native American from a nearby tribe, and she goes around selling stuff. For this huge amount of time you have her in a party, her kind of background dialogue is about, oh, my people and our ancient traditions and the (laughs) spirits and all this stuff. And there comes a point, I don't remember what triggers it, where finally somebody says, like, seriously, what's up with all this? And she's like, Actually, I have no idea. It just makes white people pay more money for what I have. (laughs) 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 But I will say I give props to the GM for rolling with that rather than being caught flat-footed by someone. And props to the player for 
turning something that was borderline racist into a bit of comedy. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's our favorite location. When we need to meet somewhere, we always meet at the New Delhi Deli. Just like in our noir game, we always met at the Automat. That's right. It's because food, food is the key food is the to key. every good game. True. In the current game, they're always meeting at the Golden Cock, which is kind of ironic because their lair is another bar called I, the Rusty Anchor that they I never hang like out the, at. I like the Rusty Anchor a lot better, but Don won't leave the Golden Cock. That's the truth, yeah. actually. That's yeah. it. I think that's more of it, because mm-hmm. I'm sort of the same way. But mm-hmm. we always go there, because that's where Don is. Yeah, yeah. we have NPCs I like to talk to at the uh, the Rusty the Anchor. Rusty Anchor. Yeah. Yeah. We just have Scovelanders. I would say, we don't, really hit their, we don't interact with anybody at the Golden Cock, except Don. Honestly enough, if you think about it. Yeah. Because that's where, that's where her, her gang is, yeah. and, and it's hers. I don't know. Who runs this gang? <laughs> oh, I do. Uh-huh. She, she, yeah. runs, she runs but, her little Scovelander boy uh-huh. toys. Uh-huh. <laughs> that can't do shit. No, they can't. They're incompetent. So, I swear, the curse of die rolling, how I always roll really horribly, this is the first game I'm rolling decently most the, of the yeah, time. Yeah. He's like, I'm rolling like a normal person on a normal bell curve. It's amazing. <laughs> Don rolled three ones. Yeah. At the same time, at one point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wayne, maybe your problem is the experience of your dice. <laughs> Do you want to roll a 10,000-year-old die and see how it does for you? You won't beat my roll. You're going to let him touch it? I want to, just because it's a... <laughs> wow. I roll the one. The ancient it's a of one. Dick. So, okay, yeah. to explain what's going on. <laughs> way, to, way to go, Dan. I, I pulled Glad out... you paid for that. I pulled out the mammoth tusk die, which is made from an actual oh, yeah. mammoth tusk, yeah. and let Wayne roll it, and this thing is 10,000 years old. It's a 20-sided die. Yeah. You, you had a 1 in 20 chance of yeah. rolling yeah. that. And Wayne straight up rolls a 1. Yeah. Wayne, it is an ancient, <laughs> ancient tradition. Yeah. <laughs> Even things that greatly predate us. Uh-huh. Despise you. Yep. <laughs> yep. And we know it rolls 20s because I did. Yeah. Pat rolled yeah. it and rolled a 20. The first time it was ever rolled, it oh. rolled a 20. Wow. Yes. There you go. Apparently, both of you have karma from the ancient of days. That's right. <laughs> but you're the yin and yang of mm-hmm. days gone by. But so, how you're talking about, you know, making, bacon. you know, car- making yeah, bacon. Making bacon's right. Making cards and making notes, you know, it's like sure. little one liner stuff. I think that's all really great ideas. From the sort of opposite end of, of the spectrum here, this concept, though, is really good for improv GMs like myself because I can make this location that doesn't necessarily have a place, and I can have lots of the, I mean, a lot of these. Well, you got your OneNote thing kicking. Yeah, I do. So, I mean, you could have a whole folder of places that are just... I don't do that. I know, but I'm just (laughs) saying, you could, that are just like half filled out, and when it becomes time to plug one in, you just copy that section of text and paste so, it over into the 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 note for that location or so what I whatever. Do, in fairness, Chad, in this particular game, you may not have anything on any tabs. Mm-hmm. You have us fully believing you have tabs and details. <laughs> yeah. I believe you have notes. Uh, you know? Well, here's what I was going to say, is that when they took over Hard Knot, it's a neighborhood that is within a short walking distance of their lair. Uh-huh. It is. It to- it will always be. 30 feet. 30 feet. That is- 31 feet in an emergency, though. Yes. <laughs> but they, it had a lot of location. That when they took it over, they had to deal with a lot of different... There was the police there with the inspectors in the blue coats, and then there was the Moore house, which they haven't dealt with yet, which is a big haunt house, and they're like, we don't want to touch it. I'm like, if you guys don't deal with it, it's going to f*** you later. And they're like, oh, we'll deal with it later. 
I'm going to f*** them with it because they're never dealing with this thing. Don't listen to that. I'm burning it down. (laughs) I tried to, but you guys are all like, no, don't burn things down. Yeah, because that would be dealing with it. You can't deal with it. It's got to come back and screw you guys. And anyway, there there were a lot of locations, right? And I didn't give any of them detail. I gave them plot detail, and there were things going on and such, and I gave them that kind of detail, but they were locations. They were locations that didn't have a sense of place. And what I did is what the players showed interest in are the things that I gave a sense of place to. So the inspector that was kind of on the take and you had to convince him to you mm-hmm. know take bribes and stuff and there was a police station there and I and I described it you guys weren't interested in it and and that's okay that you weren't interested but you weren't really interested in it and you kind of went there and you talked to the guy and we had some great role playing moments and you did the quote unquote objective of it and then you left and it wasn't 100% interesting to me and I got the sense that it wasn't 100% interesting to them so it's not that I've taken it out of the game. It's still there. They can still go to it. They can still do it, deal with it. But I never bothered giving it those details that make it human and that give it a sense of place. Whereas they went to the Golden Cock, which didn't have a name. It was just a bar. And I came up with this name off the top of my head. And then they became interested in it. And there was a, sort of a focus on because that's where the bad guy was. And then the coffee shop that, that we talked about earlier... And then that has become a thing. So I let them go to play. I do this in almost all my games. I let the players go to a place that I have some information about and some plot detail about. And if they show an interest, their interest gets me excited. Mm -hmm. And when I'm excited, then, I mean, you've seen me. I get really spun up and stuff and I get excited. And that's when my ideas start flowing. And that's when the improv starts going. And that's when I start throwing in details. And then it starts binging back and forth. And then these things come alive. Yeah, and I don't think there's anything at all wrong with mm-hmm. that approach, either in part or in whole. And then I take notes on it and put I, it into my I, say, I think the counterpoint yeah. I would raise is that I think you could start off yeah. with, I mean... Oh, absolutely. And the, all that is great. Yeah, yeah the, absolutely. The apple muffin lady. Yeah. Some of the details about her got developed as it evolved in-game. Mm-hmm. But her existence and what I wanted her to represent... The sense of community, the agricultural roots of the area, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that not everybody in the setting is some kind of monster or yeah. obstacle, mm-hmm. you know, that they're just regular people. And all those things got developed beforehand and placed there. And you guys latched onto it. And so I you know what the most interesting thing about that is that you were trying to show that people are human and there was a sense of place to it. And it, it was alive. That wasn't about. Killing and guns and killing and killing and guns and killing. Right. And the setting of Skies of Glass is so harsh that for us, I believe that it was this real big contrast of this sort of yin and yang of like, you know, there's a lot of death and bad people out there. And then there's this kind lady who makes us apple muffins and treats us with respect and likes us. We would have killed anyone for that woman. We would have slit (laughs) throats to protect her. If you would have threatened her in any, not you, Dan, I mean, as the GM would have created an obstacle that would have threatened her in any way, we would have used maximum force to stop that. (laughs) And she was never directly threatened, but one of the things she did, and she wasn't the only NPC that did this, but one of the things that she did, and that place did, was to serve as the icon of why Cape Girardeau was worth fighting for. Mm -hmm. To show you guys, you know, that this is not just a collection 
of taverns with quests (laughs) and shops with gear Mm -hmm. that this is a living, breathing place that there is something here that's worth preserving. Right. You know, that life can go on. And I think that's the biggest reason to do this is because otherwise your setting has no life to it. The Mm -hmm. players don't invest in it. Right. If it is just a collection of once again, it's just utilities of, mm. okay, we walk into town, somebody hit the tavern because we have to have an in room. Maybe there's a quest there. And I'm going to stop by. Is there an item shop so I can hock some stuff and mm-hmm. refill on healing potions, whatever the case is. And there is nothing memorable about that. You don't connect with that. You don't really care. Yeah. You don't want to go back there. You don't think about that. I mean, if the place is getting robbed, maybe if your alignment requires it, you'll stand up for it. But you don't care about it Mm -hmm. the way that you guys did the bakery right you know Mm -hmm. it's it doesn't have that emotional context and i think it has to be a two-way street between the players and the gm i think that the players have to care about it because i'm thinking back to that the constable i mean i can't read your guys minds I, i don't know if you cared about it or not or if it stuck out to you or not but Maybe it did. Maybe you guys, like, man, why hasn't this inspector come back into the plot yet? Why haven't we dealt with that yet? It is so cool. And I wouldn't necessarily know. And I don't think that I would put him back in the plot because I was not fired up about him. So, I mean, I think it's like a 50-50 thing. And and it's it's not your job to fire me up. It's my job to kind of fire you up, actually, mm-hmm. and then get myself fired up. But, yeah, I think that when you're giving life to something, you have to care about it. If you're a game master and you cre- and you create this location out of you know like the cards you're talking about or you do this improv thing, and even if the players are are super into it and you are just like you know I'm not really into a coffee shop with a pseudo Italian guy who has the second best biscotti in the city. I mean that's just something I don't care about. I do actually. That's re- don't try to shove a square peg in a round hole don't yeah. try and force it because it's going to come off flat and it's going to annoy you and then the players will be able to tell yeah but let me tell you something right there on the reaction that i mm-hmm. had raw just listening to you describe that right here right now and i'm not even in this game mm-hmm. it's a coffee shop run by a pseudo italian guy that has mm-hmm. the second best biscotti in town immediate question came to mind i'd want to ask this guy who has the best i know doesn't even mean i'd want to go there Mm -hmm. but what you just did with that is you just make me start asking questions Mm -hmm. about the setting right Right. the human mind abhors a vacuum right Mm -hmm. we hate missing information in fact there are a whole ton of of optical illusions and and thought experiments and stuff that only work because the human brain is designed to Mm -hmm. fill in empty spaces when we perceive them I mean, that's why certain things appear to be moving when they're not. When you look at an optical illusion, it's because the human mind's trying to fill in yeah. the points between. So right there, suddenly, I mean, would this <laughs> last? I don't know. But I would certainly be asking somebody, yeah. whether it's another patron, whether it's uh, the guy that runs the place. Mm-hmm. So Who I have, has the best? I've already <laughs> well, decided... I'm sorry, Wayne, but I, your Go leader, ahead. your leader, speaking. <laughs> I've already decided that the strays are going to find this person that makes this supposedly best biscotti in the city, and, and he's going to have an unfortunate accident. That's like uh, once upon a time in Mexico. Whenever he goes to a restaurant, he has a meeting and stuff, and it's blah blah blah. And he always orders the same thing. It's like some ancho chili thing. I forget what what it is. Very specific dish, right? And he's, he's meeting with this drug dealer and stuff, and they're, like, making dark deals, and it's all badass and whatnot. And then the guy leaves, and he's eating it, and he's like, this is the best dish of this 
I've ever had. And I go to every city in Mexico and I have this dish. And he's like, oh, well, I really don't care. I'm a big, badass drug dealer and I'm going to leave. Okay, do that. Guy leaves and Johnny Depp puts on his sunglasses and he gets up and he walks in the kitchen. And he pulls out his gun and he kills the cook. <laughs> because there has to be balance. You can't have the best thing in Mexico. <laughs> his job as a DEA agent is to maintain a balance. <laughs> wow. Once upon Mexico, time in Mexico, it's a, it's a different kind of movie. Yeah, uh, I, Mariachi, it's a sequel to my So uh-huh. this coffee shop that has the best coffee in, mm-hmm. in your game. Right. Me as a person, mm-hmm. I'm personally curious why the best coffee is in this you know, little coffee shop in it's a really not, shitty neighborhood. Yeah, it's not the greatest neighborhood. In, yeah. in fact, part of them taking it over is them spending the currency in the game, which they don't have a lot of. Yeah. I don't give them a lot of so, money. Me as a player, very much build up. interested in knowing that. Why is the best coffee here? I know. My he, character has never had coffee everywhere right. else. She doesn't know this that the it's the best coffee, coffee yeah. in the area. And so she has no reason to ask those questions. Mm-hmm. But as a player, I was piqued. You know what? It's not a trick. I know why it's the best coffee in, in the city. I know it. Chad knows this. He has thought it out. He has lined out the whole thing. There is a reason, and I'm not telling you. And I will probably never know because my character wouldn't care yeah. to ask. There is an absolute But me as a player, reason, I sure. want to know. Mm-hmm. Maybe once the game is over, if you guys don't know, you can ask me. Maybe I'll tell you. <laughs> Another thing we do, too, because the cool thing about giving a sense of a place to these locations is that you have these these little details. Mm-hmm. The best coffee in Duskwall. And also the second best biscotti in Duskwall, too. Wayne's wife plays with us, and she could be kind of a contrarian sometimes. Oh, yeah. And so she sits there, and she's playing a leech. The character class called leech. And it's basically this crazy alchemist, chemist sort of thing where okay. they take, you know, they drink mercury and all this kind of crap. It's, it's, they're really weird. And she did roll a die to see what she would think yeah, of it. Yeah, she rolled a die to see what she would think of it. She rolled like a one. And she, so everybody is like, this is the best coffee in Duskwall. Hands down, this is an in character and out of character. This is the objective truth of the game. This is the best coffee in Duskwall. She drinks it. It is the worst coffee in Duskwall. She is objectively wrong about this. (laughs) And there's like this whole role-playing thing, and it comes out, like we're kind of talking about role-playing out a little bit. And and don't get me wrong, this isn't like a three-month-long scene. This is like 10 minutes of fun. Well, because she does all this crap with all these chemicals, and she's like drinking mercury and and rubbing lead in her eyeballs and stuff, and doing all this crazy stuff. Yeah. That this and that is a mechanic of the character. That is the mechanic. LSD from her pores. Yeah, yeah. she ex- exudes this chemicals. I mean, this is like mechanics of the character, right? Uh-huh. It is that she has so screwed up the physiology of her body that she tastes it. She cannot properly taste it. She's ruined her palate. She's ruined yeah. her palate. With mercury, which with mercury, I, yeah, you know, it's probably the least of her problems. Right, yes. right. Yeah. So the, she has people licking her all the time because it makes them high. Yeah. So she has admitted to me that uh, one of the things she likes doing in games is finding things that will creep Dawn out. Yes, Dawn particularly. Yeah. And so in multiple games, even going back to the Monster Hearts game, you know, she wanted to find ways just to creep Dawn out because she likes the idea of that we go to. Dawn seems to be affected by things like that a little more than the rest of What's us. What's interesting with Dawn so, is that Dawn rarely talks, 
Mm-hmm. But she has an incredibly expressive face. Yes. So so we'll go to faces. dinner. She was like, oh, my God, I can't believe you did we'll that. We'll break and go to dinner. Mm-hmm. And Sarah will find some way to just bring up something that happened in game that she saw one of those expressions. Mm-hmm. Just so she can watch Don's face before <laughs> she eats. <laughs> so the, the point I was getting to was that, you know, you have a location and it's just the meta of it. It's just, you know, plot, here, go, five minutes, gun, done, move on. And then you give it a sense of place. You kind of add color and stuff to it, but you don't get too deep because there are a lot of places in the world and you don't want to, you know, bog yourself down. You actually have a game to run. So you, you give it a sense of place in these different ways that we've talked about. And it has the potential that once the characters latch into it, once you're interested in it, gives the ability for life to happen there for, you know, like we're drinking the coffee, roll for the coffee. It's the best coffee. Sarah rolls for it. It's terrible coffee. There's a debate. There's, and we call that role playing. It doesn't move the plot forward. It doesn't help anybody. It doesn't do anything, but God damn, that was a fun, like 20 minutes talking about coffee. Alrighty. As always, be sure to check the show notes. I'm going to have at least a couple links out there to inkwell to, I don't know, maybe a resource document where I put this quick questionnaire, or if nothing else, the questionnaire itself will be in the show notes. And that aside, thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. It's just a short walk away, Pat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2016. Listeners are free to use this show in any non-commercial endeavor, as long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the Pulp Gamer Media Network of Shows. You can find other great shows in this network at pulpgamer.com.